For years, the American public has been victimized by the so-called cinematic geniuses, telling us time and again to see inferior movies, leaving us bitter and lost with nowhere to turn. But no more! This travesty of justice cannot and will not continue, because we now have the Cinema Judge! Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Cinema Judge. To all my regular judge heads out there, welcome back. If you're new to the show, welcome aboard. Now, if this is your first time, here's what the show is all about. The studios, they send us film clips, interviews, on-set footage, premiere footage, and we put it together to make one cohesive infomercial. We don't sit here and criticize actors, Hollywood, anything like that. We love movies, and we love to share movies. That's what we're here for, to tell you about sometimes blockbusters, sometimes independent films, whatever it is, we just want to talk movies. So consider this your movie oasis, a place where you can forget about the world for a little bit and just escape into one film and take a deep dive. Now approaching the bench today, we have the movie The Lost City. Now it's directed by a brother pair again, Aaron and Adam Nee. And it stars Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, Daniel Radcliffe, and Brad Pitt. And now here's the story in a nutshell. A reclusive romance novelist on a book tour with her cover model, the guy who sits there and poses for all those romantic covers, they get swept away in a kidnapping that lands them in a cutthroat jungle adventure. This is kind of like Romancing the Stone. Remember that Michael Douglas film with Kathleen Turner years ago? which is a fantastic film with them and Danny DeVito. See those two films, Romancing the Stone, and then its sequel, The Jewel of the Nile. They are both just fun movies. This this is in that vein, where it's just one big action-adventure, fun, fish-out-of-water type thing, pure popcorn. And that's, that's what sometimes you need. Something to escape into, just put your worries away, turn off your brain, and just have fun. Because everybody in here is so talented. Now, here's the trailer for The Lost City. But before you listen to that, I just wanted to forewarn you. I started to play the trailer, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This isn't your typical trailer. In this trailer, you're first going to see, well, here, Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. They walk into the screen. They're you know, giving this little intro, and behind them is just like this fake like door, if you will, or sliding glass thing, and they're going to introduce it. And then other things happen. So we might, So what you hear here is just them doing an intro to the trailer. So, here is the trailer. Behind these doors is a giant surprise. Huge. For the past year, Chan and I have been working on a little project. And when these doors open, you will be getting the very first look ever at the Lost City. This feels better than I thought it would. I know. I thought the same thing. I was worried, too, because these doors are really just a metaphor, metaphor for, for adventure. adventure. Oh, my God. Wow. You're still in it. I know. It's crazy. All right. You want to get to it? Yeah, let's do it. We give to you the Lost City. Oh, hey, guys. Do you guys know there's nothing back there? Daniel. Yeah, we know. Oh. We know, Daniel. The doors are just a metaphor, metaphor for, for adventure. adventure. Oh, sorry, I screwed it up. That was nice, though. Finishing each other's sentences. sentences. We know. Wow. 
All right. All right. Ah, tea. So what? Um, I don't know. What do you want to get some? What was the last part of? Yeah. Um, you hungry? The thing. Of, yeah. Are we done? You led me straight to the lost city. Now, prepare to die. There were just hundreds of snakes in this temple just waiting for us to show up. What? Why aren't they biting that guy? This is ridiculous. Delete. 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 Listen, Loretta, we need you to promote your new book on the lost city. You can't spend your life in the bathtub drinking Chardonnay with ice. Ladies and gentlemen, the world's sexiest cover model, Dash McMahon! You do know you're not Dash, right? Dash is a character I made up. Dash! I, I... Oh my god. Oh crap. Miss Sage, I enjoyed your book about the lost city, and I believe you're the one who can help me find its treasure. I have to respectfully decline. I'm afraid I must insist. Chain me! That's your seatbelt. Oh, no. Loretta Sage is missing. I'm gonna rescue her. I just want her to think of me as more than a cover model. Let's start living dangerously. Alan, what are you doing here? We're here to save you. I'm certified CPR, I'm certified CrossFit. I have snacks. After them! This is like your book. We're on a Love More and Dash adventure right now. I'm gonna help you out a little bit. Let's go. What are you doing? Don't do that. Go. Oh, God, get out of there. This is not a romance novel. Jungles eat people like us. Ah, what is that? Get it off. Please. Please. I can Just feel him sucking my soul. Ripper like a bandit. Don't make that sound. Feels like there's more. Holy mother of God. They're just sucking on my butt like a big old Jamba Juice. We're so close. I could actually find the lost city. If I don't get to this island, my friend and her cover model are going to die. I am driving. Oh, 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 oh. The Red Sage, getting you out of here. Why are you so handsome? My dad was a weatherman. Hey, whoa, she doesn't oh. need saving in there. Okay. Uh, what are you doing in there? Well, that was the trailer. And like I said, it was kind of fun, different kind of trailer this time around. But first, we're going to hear from Sandra Bullock. Now, what can't this woman do? She could do comedy. She could do action. She could play the quirky role. She could play a drama. And this, again, just shows you what what she's capable of. And what I like about her is she can lean into whatever character she's doing. She can make fun of herself and just be casual about it. And that takes a lot of courage in my mind. I mean... Not a lot of people are willing to go that to that level. But again, there's nothing she can't do. I mean, we all remember from the 2009 movie, The Blind Side. What a performance. You know, the same year, but The Proposal with Ryan Reynolds. What a fun movie. And then 2013, Gravity. Ocean's 8 in 2018. Bird Box. Now, if you've never seen that, that is what a unique, unique film that is. Again, though, she's stretching her abilities her in a, like a horror film. And who could forget Miss Congeniality in 2000? What? <laughs> Again, I, I admire her. And she, she seems like the kind of actor where you can just sit there and talk to her. She's not pretentious or whatever the words are. But you seem like you can sit down and talk to her and go, Hey, tell me about this movie or tell me about your world. 
you think I wasn't going to mention speed? Of course we're going to mention speed. Because that's when a lot of us were introduced to, to her. When she just exploded on that screen. So that being said, here she is talking about her character. Loretta Sage is a writer of many, many romance novels. She's a shut-in. She would prefer to stay home and eat cheese uh, in the safety of her home. Nothing wrong with that, right? Um, and she experienced loss years before and just has found great comfort in her home, in her books, and in her words, and in her brain. She doesn't feel the need to go out and have an adventure because she writes about it. So she experiences it in her imagination, but she doesn't feel the need to physically go out and have adventures until... Now, coming up next, we're going to hear from the co-director, Aaron Nee. He also directed The Last Romantic, Band of Robbers, and, of course, The Lost City, but also, coming up in 2024... Masters of the Universe. That's another big movie to try to tackle. But here he is talking about the story. And after that, you're going to hear from the other brother, Adam Nee, talking about the story. It's about this woman who, this, this, this author, who life has taken a sharp left turn and she doesn't know where to go now. And there's this feeling that there is no next chapter in her life. But this character is taken on a wild, crazy adventure where she's meeting crazy uh, um, characters. The Lost City is a movie about a romance novelist who believes that she has no more stories to write, both in her career and in her life. But then she gets whisked away on this adventure, this very larger-than-life adventure um, that kind of becomes like one of her fantasy novels. And her cover model, who she does not get along with, goes to try to rescue her. And together, they start to come together and she realizes that she does have more stories to write. Not only fantasy romance stories, but she has more chapters in her life. Coming up next, we'll hear from co-director Aaron Nee. And I love this interview because I, I could feel this tension if, I, if this happened to me. He talks about working with Sandra Bullock. You know, everybody knows, wow, she's great. But then you're like, oh no, she's Sandra Bullock, Oscar winner, great actor. Is she going to be what I hope she's going to be? Because, you know, sometimes be, be careful what you hope for. You don't want to be disappointed. But obviously you'll hear that he, he wasn't because obviously she's a fun lady. Getting to work with somebody of the caliber that Sandra Bullock is, is the kind of thing that you dream of, of as a filmmaker. It's also the kind of thing where... You have to wonder, like, is this a be careful what you wish for kind of thing? Like, this is like, this is a international movie star, an Oscar winner, a person who's just like operating on this whole other level. And she is an absolute dream to work with. She, she cares so much. She's so invested in the movie, in her character, in, 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 Finding and developing that character and that being a conversation with us in making choices that are that are good for the film, too. And we were throwing her in really, really gnarly situations. And Sandy's so game. She's so open to doing things that, that will make the movie great because she wants to make a great movie. And I think that's such a big part of what makes her who she is. Co-director Adam Nee is up next. And he talks about how wonderful it was working with Sandra Bullock and Lisa Chasen, two female producers, and how much it really improved the set. Working with Sandy and Liza was amazing. I, I, 
and it it did it was a difference um working with two female producers and I really I loved it I loved the tone that it set and it felt like the right tone for a female led film Liza comes from a world of just the most incredible filmography her her filmography is so impressive and intimidating that she gave us this incredible comfort of somebody that we really trusted to guide us when maybe we're focusing too much on one side of the story or not enough on another. I think she's really good at big picture thinking about a movie and and so balanced in the way that she brings a note to you where it's just it's not she's not someone who needs to hear the sound of her own voice. She just gives you a good solid smart note and when she does, you know it. You should listen to it. Um Sandy's incredible because I think that you know when you take a project with an actor who's also a producer, you may think like, oh, that means their name is on it. But she is such an active part of the process. And she was on all the calls, all the meetings, had so much great input, cared very much about character in the movie. And she cares about all the characters. It's not just like, what is Loretta going to do or say? Sandy cares about what Beth's character arc is, what Nana's character arc is. It's a huge priority. So it's it's amazing having two very engaged, active producers who were also simultaneously very trusting of us. Like I said, what a great interview. Now, also talking about the two women producing team, we have co-director Aaron Nee. As soon as we started working with Sandy and Liza, it became very clear that this was exactly the kind of collaboration that we want uh, on a project and that they were extremely accessible and available. And ready to get in there in the weeds with us from the beginning. It's so cool to hear producers and actors being involved. Because like he said, sometimes it's just, hey, I need a a bigger paycheck. I want my name up there as an executive producer. And sometimes people don't do much, but she does. She's full hands-on. And I really admire that. She cares about the product. Now coming up next, we're going to hear from Sandra Bullock talking about the process of getting this movie made. I love her honesty in this. She says, hey, I first read it. I'm like, nah, not my cup of tea. But then, you know, she came to realize years later, hey, maybe whatever's changed in my life, I want to do this. So I really, really enjoy her honesty on this next interview. And after that, we're going to hear from Liza Chasen, the producer that they're talking about. And she talks about her relationship with Sandra, getting this project started, and how much she really does have her hands deeply embedded into this project. It was several years ago. It was brought to me as an actor and a producer. And they, it was, I think it had been sitting on a shelf for about seven years. And I'd read it before, a couple years before, and I was like, no, no, it's not my cup of tea. And then I read it again, and it either life had changed and my perceptions had changed, or I was ready to do something like that. And it, um, I said, okay, let's, let's do it. And then I called up my friend Liza Chase, and I said, you want to team up? Um, she said, yeah. And then we got to uh, Dana Fox, the brilliant Dana Fox, our, our writer, and had her delve in with us. I've known Sandy a long time, um, just friendly, uh, not professionally. And she and I sort of reconnected after not having seen each other for a long time to talk about kind of opportunities and, you know, sort of what could we find that might be interesting to do together. And very soon after that, she called me and she said, you know, I read a script. I think there's a great idea. And if you agree, I think we should do it. I think it was pretty singular from the from the outset. Um, 
you know, we both recognized that this was a film we hadn't seen for a long time, that it was a fun, big theater, you know, theatrical experience. And I think in a world where you're looking for real, like true popcorn movies too, um, to bring people back and, and, and have that com- kind of communal experience watching a movie in a theater. Um, we were really excited about the potential. There are plenty of, you know, actor producers out there doing their thing. I, I think she's uh, a unique, she stands alone in, in her capacity to sort of deliver 150% on both fronts, right? She never, ever um, didn't wear both hats. We're going to play a featurette for you next. Now, in this featurette, you can't see it, but there's a lot of clips intertwined, interviews on the set footage, and they're talking about location, the cast, and just a little bit about the story. Now, if you ever want to watch a TV version of this, at the end of the episode, I'm going to give you a website so you can watch it. So if you're into that kind of thing, I'll give you that address at the end of the show. But this featurette kind of talks about the cast, how everybody gets along, and the locations. You have a writer of many, many romance novels. You have a cover model who is trying to be the hero. Neither one of them should be stuck in a jungle. Yeah. Why would you throw a gun? Seriously. I've never gotten to shoot on an island before. I've never got to go to the jungle. A lot of this movie is out in the elements, and you really feel it. We're in the Dominican Republic, this gorgeous landscape. We had a cast and crew of 650, and you just really like everyone. Living the dream. To be here and see how hard everybody works, it's amazing. I'm going to help you out a little bit. Let's go. Don't do that. Get out of there. There we go. It's so nice to have a partner that you feel as comfortable as I did with Channing. You could pretty much give us anything and we could make a 15, 20 minute bit about it. Manscaped. (laughs) Don't want to manscape you. I didn't bring my clippers. We were glued at each other's sides. Too heavy, you're gonna flip this thing like a cruise ship. Hold on. I I can't breathe. Okay, I'm good. I'm not breathing. Are you good? My face. The fabulous Daniel Radcliffe. He's brilliant. He's a brilliant actor. Much more interesting things are happening behind me right now, I feel like. (laughs) It's a great, massive action adventure. It hits all those notes, but it's also genuinely very funny. Honestly, I thought we were going to CGI most of this stuff. What was it like getting Brad Pitt? He showed up and was so game, bulked up for it, did all these stunts. It was really awesome. The Red of Sage, I'm getting you out of here. <laughs> it was an amazing journey of many puzzle pieces needing to come together to make a film that you want to see in the theaters. It's such an adventure having. That kind of sets the tone for you. I mean, it's a just a straight-up popcorn film. Up next, though, we're going to hear from Daniel Radcliffe. Now, let's just sit back and really take in his career. Who would have ever believed from Harry Potter to what he is now? And he's taken some massive challenges, risks as an actor. He could have went the way of the same old path, taking the same kind of roles, the simple roles. No, he didn't. I mean, I'm impressed by his risks that he took. I mean, like Swiss Army Man, if you've never seen that from 2016, what a unique film. But he makes it work. And if you've ever seen The Miracle Workers, um anthology on i think it's on tbs it is wonderful him and steve buscemi every season they're in a different era of time and they all play different characters it is hilarious and it really shows his abilities 
And of course, I could go on and on about his career, but you know, you get the idea. So up next, you're going to hear from him talking about the script. But then after that, you're going to hear from both Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum talking about how much they've enjoyed working with him. It was the, the, the script as a whole. I mean, obviously, like when you get a script and you're like, Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum are the leads, there is an aspect of you that like, particularly with both of those particular people, they're like, I love most of what they do. Like, I think they make great choices. So immediately you're like, this is interesting and cool. Um, and then, yeah, just, I don't know, the script was fantastic. And this one is just like an example of a, a fantastic, like, rollicking, like, adventure movie of the type that we don't really see anymore. There's like, cause there is a self-awareness and a self-consciousness to this script, but it's also just like, it is what it is. There's so much fun and it's like, there's an innocence to it. Um, while at the same time in this one being able to like, you know, it's those situations where, every, you know, it's real like life and death, but everyone's still very quippy and funny. And, you know, it's just that sort of heightened um, movie world. And yeah, I don't know. It's It seems like a rare thing now to get a film like that that also feels really good. Um, but the brilliance of our villain is that he has to be the most affable, um, seductive, normal, wealthy, handsome, uh, non-threatening villain at first. And then you slowly see him unravel. And Daniel has these piercing blue eyes. And they're either the softest, sweetest, most inviting pair of eyes. And then when he starts going nuts, he he uh his transformation into Fairfax, the 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 evil part of, of Fairfax is is very creepy. He he's brilliant. He's a brilliant actor who who we've seen grow up in front of our eyes and I, to me, the most exciting character in this film, I think what I'm excited for audience to experience is the Daniel Radcliffe that he is now that they will not expect. His enthusiasm is infectious. Like he is, he is so meticulous. He is so like, if there was anyone ill-prepared on this film, it was me and Champ. If there was anyone over-prepared, it was Daniel. I'm obviously a fan and, you know, like the rest of the world got to watch the guy grow up into a just like an adult actor and he was always just like the nicest guy and you never know if that's just like him just being a really charismatic personal person but he is exactly that he is just open and hilarious and engaging and and just an insanely talented kid now next we're going to hear from daniel radcliffe talking about working with sandra bullock then after that one it kind of goes to a press junket thing where Sandra Bullock and Daniel Radcliffe are talking. And while they're kind of joking around, Sandra Bullock is like, says to the interviewer person, you know, I'm looking at this poster and every one of these people just brought their A game. Sandy, which I still can't quite believe that I'm in a stage in my life where I'm calling Sandra Bullock Sandy, but that's, that's, she encourages us to do it. It took me a few weeks. Um, but she is um, almost more intimidating because she is so nice like it's really i didn't i didn't know what to expect uh, you never do and um to meet someone who has been as like operating at such a high level in this industry for so long and still has completely managed to retain like all of her humanity and kindness and um, she's just a real person, you know, and it, it's, 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 yeah, it's a real pleasure to, to be able to work with her. As a narcissistic actor, I don't see anyone else as being viable. I just, <laughs> I just focus on my lines and 
myself. Yeah. Um, you're the same, right? Same, same, same exact thing. Same, yeah. Same. Just blah, 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 blah. My you line. know what? I'm looking at the poster right now and I'm just like, there's people. not, it's just pretty, it just, it, there's not one person on there that didn't come with serious A game. And the minute that they were on screen, you just wanted the rest of the movie to be about them. I, I literally, you look at every single person, like you could make a whole, Movie about Dave Iron, you can make a whole movie about, well, Brad Pitt, not so much. But Oscar, yes. Like, it just, yeah. it, everyone came with such humor and, and just, I, you don't, you don't often get that because usually someone just sort of comes in for a little peep and then goes away, but everyone is so funny and good and, and, you know, you could, you could, everyone could have their own sort of offshoot. I think it's also a film that everyone was so excited to be in because yeah. we knew the tone of it and, mm-hmm. and the kind of, the, I think we all felt that like this is the kind of film people want to see right now. So I think everyone was just like, yeah, let's come in and have fun. If you can't have fun, obviously it was a very, very hard shoot, but it was also like, if you kind of, if you can't have fun on this shoot, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. True. I love this kind of interviews. They sound like they're having so much fun together. Now coming up next, we're going to hear from the co-directors. They're both going to talk about Channing Tatum, both about him in the character he plays and how perfect he was for that role. Channing is perfect for this role for many, many reasons. But one of those reasons is it doesn't take long to fall in love with Channing and, and, and really uh, appreciate him. And so he can do, you can have his character do some, some dumb things and um, make some big mistakes and you still just love the guy. And, uh, and Channing brings that that heartfelt quality that we wanted for for this character that we wanted for Alan. We we wanted to discover that there's there's this deep, sensitive, caring person underneath the bravado and the uh, the flowing wig the character of alan is is such a lovable one because he is just so genuinely sweet and i think it's it was very intentional that we wanted to have this adventure movie where your your male lead is so kind and sweet and and that you can be masculine and soft that you can be this hunky guy but also just be kind and um he just day one as soon as he we started shooting scenes with him it was like channing's perfect for it because channing is like a sweet puppy dog he is the so kind and happy and positive and just brought so much life to that role now speaking of channing tatum he's up next (laughs) and he's going to talk a little bit about his character but more importantly his character's hair and then after that interview we're going to go into another featurette. And that whole featurette talks about his character and his famous hair. I think I I had a, a healthy, like, sort of like, okay, this wig's going to be important. But I don't think I had any idea of the magnitude of the personality of this wig. It from And it was kind of crazy because one of the first things we shot was, like, the, the romance novel stuff, which I think was, in a way, genius because I don't think I knew who Dash was until that moment. And then... No matter how much work you do on the script, no matter how much like planning you can try to be like funny or fun or wh- whatever, I actually tr- really don't try to be funny at all. I try to be fun, and uh, and you have all these ideas, and then all of a sudden, um, you just have either a piece of clothing or a scene or a, even shoes or something that like you're all of a sudden just like, oh, I found who he is, and it was the wig on this thing. In the camera. 
And action. Ladies and gentlemen, the world's sexiest cover model, Dash McMahon! I think Dash is out of his mind. To be Dash, it has a life of its own. Seeing Channing in his Dash outfit, he came out of the dressing room. The hair exited first. And then the acid wash jeans and the open shirt. I think there's a limit to how many buttons can be buttoned, which is basically one. He's a brilliant actor. Some of the stuff he does as Dash in this movie, there's a moment where he blows out a candle and then continues to use it to search for light. I was pretty nervous about the whole wig situation. I wasn't ready for what it was going to do to me, like, spiritually. Just sort of, like, suction cups to my head, and then all of a sudden, Dash is there. The hair flings and the, you know, it just you should never have a mane like that because it just takes over his personality. I sort of blacked out. The wig is actually in control. It manipulates you, and you're just a pawn, and it's game. That was a featurette all on his wonderful wig. Now coming up next, you're going to hear from Channing Tatum talking about how great it was to work with Sandra Bullock, not just as an actress, but as a producer. And then after that, we're going to go into Sandra Bullock talking about working with you know Channing Tatum, how talented he is, and just the physicality of his work. Sandy kicks the tires very, very, very well in almost anything and every single thing that she does. I mean, I, she's, a, she's a beast of a producer, and, I mean, not, not we all know what kind of an actress she is, but, I mean, that's, that's a, she's a unicorn as far as that goes. But I really, really trusted her, her instinct that if she's put these boys through the paces that they, they were worth their salt. So, and it, it turned out to be every bit true. Channing Tatum brings to Dash uh, a gold mine. Um, you know, I mentioned he's a physical comic. He, he, he's just so self-deprecating. There's nothing about him that's ego-driven driven in the role of Dash, um, which is so important because Dash is such an innocent. He's not a narcissist. Dash is just wide-eyed and sweet, and not many people can play that because there's not many wide-eyed, sweet people, but Channing has such an intuition comedically about Dash and how to play it. It, it, just, it was just so sweet. And then on top of it, he's really handsome, and he's Channing. Um, you know, he's got a six-pack, and um, I don't. So I'm glad one of us had it, uh, and I'm glad he was willing to take his shirt off and his pants, because um, I wasn't. So that's what he brings to it, ass and abs. <laughs> Sorry, is that disrespectful? I think not. <laughs> Here's the nice thing about Chan is that He's a physical comedian. He's, he's a comic who physically uses his body to convey the joke. I understand that. That's how I operate. And it, it's so nice to have a partner that you feel, A, as comfortable as I did with, with Channing. B, we have really good timing. We're different enough that we complement each other, but we're also really helpful to the other one. If someone bats something at you, the other one will. But it's all physical. And... Um, you know, this whole film was it just, we were glued at each other's sides. So you have to really like the person and feel safe with them. And I really did. And, and I hope he felt the same with me. But I just like being in his presence. I like trying to see what physically we could come up with that day in a, in a tight situation. Because it's always in a tight, uncomfortable situation. Now, speaking of uncomfortable situations, we're going to have another featurette here for you. Now, in this featurette, it is a leech scene. You kind of, you remember Stand By Me, right? Well, this is their little 
take on that. <laughs> you know, he gets out of the water and he has leeches all over him. And, and this, this feature, it just talks about that whole scenario. Okay, uh, don't panic. What do you mean, don't panic? Just don't panic. No, don't stop saying panic. Okay, I'm panicking okay. now. You have something on your back. No! What is that? What is that? Do you have any on you? No, no. Why, no. Wait, why don't you have any on you? Day two of the movie, Channing Tatum walks into this jungle area. We have him take his clothes off, and we covered his back and butt in leeches. And this is day two. Walking to set with a bunch of leeches super glued to my butt. Uh, and not having met everybody and just kind of being like, okay. This is going to be, uh, I'm going to be butt naked. My name's Chan today. Uh, this is just what it is. Rip her like a baby. Don't make that sound. I feel so many. Oh, holy mother of God. Why are you, are you praying? And then not only that, but to have Sandra Bullock have like a two-page monologue with uh, a certain part of my body. He was completely naked with a sock protecting the front area. You have to really like the person and feel safe with them. I need to check your front. Okay. There was no weirdness. Like, you would no. think that there would be weirdness, but because he was so chill about it, he dropped everything, and I spoke to it. There is room for leeches. There is available terrain, but they have not explored this beige runway. <laughs> I'll do that again. It's a hell of a day, too. Let me just say that. Now, in our next set of interviews, we're going to hear from co-director Aaron Nee, producer Liza, and Sandra Bullock. They're all going to talk about her jumpsuit and how many jumpsuits were needed to make this film because every every situation required a different jumpsuit. And then after you hear them, we're going to play a whole featurette just delving into the whole jumpsuit. We knew when we brought Marlene on to do costumes that the jumpsuit was going to be a thing. Uh, going to be a thing f- because it has to survive not just sitting on a stool at the convention like it was designed to be used for, but we're going to have to take it through a river and climb a mountainside with it and be in the ocean and all of these these things that uh, a sequin jumpsuit is not normally able to sustain. So she was going to have to make different versions of it that still have to look great in all of those situ- those situations and, and tailor one that's cut a certain way so that it can work for the waterfall and then this one can work for sitting on that high stool and this one can work for um, you know, being in this situation and that situation. And so we had lots of jumpsuits and they, the jumpsuit got a lot of attention. The jumpsuit. The jumpsuit. Exactly. Right. Well, so the jumpsuit was Sandy's idea. She, she, first of all, she loves a jumpsuit. Just in her real life, she wears a lot of jumpsuits. So I think, I think she liked the idea. And we landed on it as a, as a very comedic idea right out of the gate. Like, it's uncomfortable for a woman to be in a jumpsuit for a long period of time. It's really hard to go pee. Like, just basic stuff. So we posited this idea that this is a woman who hasn't left her house. And her publisher is going to put her in this very glittery, bright colored jumpsuit that's on loan. It's, you know, two hours. She'll have it on and off, and then she can go back to her retreat, right? Um, And of course, this is the thing she's going to get kidnapped in. I had to um, learn how to navigate in a a onesie jumpsuit with a pair of heels uh, in the jungle with no restrooms um, for 12-hour days. So what you do is you don't drink water and you pray. 
That's was that was my training. I did a lot of praying uh, for um, uh, uh, the end of the day so that I could unzip the onesie and get out of it in the middle of the jungle. We just gotta take a little shortcut through the jungle and we're good. Jungles eat people like us. In the lost city, the difficulties that we had to overcome were jumpsuit. Are you okay? Jumpsuit. Jumpsuit. Yep, mount it. Mount it. We wanted to create the absolute least comfortable thing that you would choose to wear, especially on a jungle adventure. Do I need to be wearing a glitter onesie? Sexy. We're gonna have to take it through a river, climb mountainside with it, and be in the ocean. The jumpsuit is a character unto itself. I was uncomfortable in my normal baggy cargo pants and like tennis shoes. That jumpsuit, it was fitted and like the whole thing with the heels. Oh, fuck. Whoa, 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 whoa. That was acting. Good acting. Can't imagine what the sequence was doing to her skin. It must have been like wearing a cheese grater. We wanted something that, when you stuck this in the jungle, was going to stand out. How do they keep finding us? You're basically walking disco ball. Ow. I'm going to be talking about the jumpsuit for the rest of my life, but would I have changed it? Hell no. Oh, you're going to put it back together? I don't want to mess up the jumpsuit. It's on loan. It was funny. It was inappropriate. And it all came about because Sandy B likes herself a jumpsuit. And I like a sparkly jumpsuit. That featurette offers a lot more to it than just to the ears. So if you want to watch that, I'll give you that address at the end of the show. Now we're going to have another featurette right off the bat here. Now if you've seen the trailer for this movie, you'll see the scene where you have Sandra Bullock is in a wheelbarrow. Brad Pitt and Channing Tatum are pushing her down this dirt road. And behind them is a giant explosion. In this little featurette, they talk about making that. You know, and to their credit, they only did this one time with one take. And another kind of cool thing is sometimes you think, oh, they, they CGI'd it or they, you know, they superimposed it, whatever they did. They actually shot this like it looks. So that's kind of cool. There's one scene in this film that was done only in one take. There's a wheelbarrow. That man was already unconscious. I wanted to get one in. Excuse me, would it be possible to remove me from the chair? No time. We should definitely go. Channing and Brad, I got to give them all the props. All I ask is that you don't drop me, flip me, run over me. I just didn't want to die. Action! To have Brad Pitt pushing a wheelbarrow and then shaking that hair out while explosions are happening is the thing dreams are made of. Well, I do this like prance where I'm running like I'm in an aerobics class. I had no idea that I was going to run like that until the moment. All I had to do was sit there, Channing and Brad had to do all the work. One take. Why are things exploding? We're going to hear next from Daniel Radcliffe. And he's going to talk about working with two directors. And then after that, you're going to hear from co-director Adam Nee talking about why you need to see this in the theater. I've worked with uh, a pair of directors once before. Um, this is my second time doing it, and it's been great both times. I think I always expect in my mind there to be, like, conflict and them to be sort of trying to hash... But I think the reality is they do most of that in pre-production. They They get to the point where they're very much on the same page by the time they get on set. So you certainly... I've never seen them, like... I don't know, like disagree strongly about something, or but I'm sure they do, but they just keep it um, away from set. Um, but yeah, they're they're lovely. They're so, uh, you know, this is a massive movie, and 
you know, for them to just kind of walk in. Obviously, they've, they're experienced. They've done stuff before, but never anything. Like, very few of us have done stuff at, like, this mm-hmm. kind of scale. Um, and they've just been completely unfazed by it. I've just, like, been super pre- prepared and, you know, really, like, fun and still finding, you know, very prepared, but also allowing room for us all to play and things to happen on the day. Um they're really they're both really funny as well in very different ways but they're both really funny people and i think they you know that is really imbuing the film with something lovely um and just as human beings to be around on set they are lovely and they're they're i think have you know directors are one of the few people that never really get to watch that many other people do their job like i work i see other actors act all the time directors very rarely see other people direct Mm -hmm. and so i'm always like saying to them like you're really good like just never change please like because you prove you can make a massive movie like this without screaming and shouting and becoming terrible this movie you have to see in the theater and that's it it is a classic movie going experience that's one of the things that we strove for and why we shot the movie in the jungle why we really shot on open ocean and in the sweaty hot jungles of the Dominican Republic is because we wanted it to be a big screen experience. It's not a movie that's meant to be watched on your phone. Um, It is a big, epic, scale and scope adventure film. Well, I hope you enjoyed our in-depth look at The Lost City. Now, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, any way to improve the show, let me know. Cinemajudge at Hotmail.com That's Cinemajudge at Hotmail.com because I can't grow if I don't know. Let me know what I need to do. What can I do to improve it? What, you know, whatever you like about it or don't like about it, because then I'll take it out. Now, if you're interested in watching the TV version of this, go to Bloomington, Minnesota's webpage. That's BLM as in Bloomington dot MN backward slash BTV dash shows. And then you type in Cinema Judge and a whole bunch of shows should show up. Now, everything from here on out is me just thanking the listeners and talking about this and that. So you won't miss anything. I'm not going to talk about the movie anymore after this. But for all my listeners who stay around for shoutouts, this is for you. And I hope everyone around the world, I hope my voice finds you well. For everyone listening at home, at work, going to work, just sitting at home, whatever you're doing, I really appreciate it. And as I sit here late at night recording this for you, I always think, you know, where are you? When are you? What time? How many hours later, weeks later, maybe years later, are you listening to this? So as I sit here, I always think, wherever, whenever, or whatever you're doing, this is for you. I am just amazed and just so happy. Last week, so many listeners, new listeners, I really appreciate it. And I wish I could mention everybody who listened to old episodes but that's almost impossible to try to track. So to all you who listened to the last episode, here are some of the locations from the United States, Germany. I had a lot from Germany last week. Thank you guys so much. And also United Kingdom. You guys are fantastic. I had a lot of listens. You guys are wonderful. Thanks for listening. And also with Brazil, I sometimes I'm amazed at sometimes how different places like certain movies or whatever. So, so many of you turned out for last episode and I'm very grateful. And also Australia, Canada, New Zealand, Argentina, Spain, Austria, Mexico, Slovakia, Latvia, 
Minneapolis, Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota, Columbus, Ohio, Melbourne, Victoria, Manchester, Christ Church, Canterbury, Cedar City, Utah, is it Dunedin, Florida, Smethwick, Sandwell, Los Angeles, California, Wilmington, Mass., Denver, Colorado, Round Hill, Virginia, Mexico City, New York, New York, Niles, Michigan, Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, Toronto, Ontario, Chicago Heights, Illinois, Washington, District of Columbia, that's so cool, Helmsley, North Yorkshire, that's incredible, Frankfurt M. Maine, Hess, Houston, Texas, Brampton, Ontario, Kent, Washington, Pasadena, California, is it Mackinac, Georgia? Thanks so much. Glendale, Arizona. Thanks, Arizona. New Mexico. Iowa City, Iowa. Perth, Western Australia. That's so cool. Burnsville, Minnesota. Northfield, Minnesota. South Hadley, Mass. And I could go on and on. Everybody who turned out last week, I wish I could name you all. Thank you. You guys are awesome. And now for the places I can't pronounce. And I know I need to do better. I need to learn these better. A dear friend of mine once I told me, come on. They deserve their places to be pronounced right. I'll get there. I, I promise I will. But until then, these are the ones I can't even have a chance of pronouncing properly. Stuttgart, Baden-Württemberg. Buenos Aires, Buenos Aires FD. Heilbronn, Baden-Württemberg. Joe Snitz, Saxony. Blumenau, Santa Catarina. Smethwick, Sandwell. Lalpin, Mexico City. Baladas, Nitra, Zaragoza, Saragossa, Girona, Girona, Dumbarton, Weston Bartonshire, Graz, Styria, Riga, Riga, Luton, Luton, Las Cruces, New Mexico, Santo Andre, Sao Paulo, Coventry, Coventry. And every one of you, I personally want to thank from the bottom of my heart for listening to my show. Because even though if I just blow by your name here, or not your name, but your city or state or country or location, don't think for one second. When I see that during the week, I go just bananas in my head. I'm like, wow, somebody from, I don't care where you're from, every location, I like do a, like, like a dance every time I see it. So just because right now, if you don't hear me go, hey, thank you specifically, blah, 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 blah. When I see you, you know, your, your place show up, I do do a massive happy dance. So thank you to everybody. But this week's bourbon shout-out goes out to Soul Man. You know who you are. I ran, I ran into you recently while I was shopping. It was a great conversation. You and your wife talking to you guys. <laughs> it was a great time. So to you, Soul Man, cheers. But now it's the music section. When I made this episode first for TV, now the podcast, the TV version took uh, about five or six, a little bit more hours than that to make. It was a lot of interviews to go through. So hopefully it doesn't sound like it. I never wanted the, the episode to sound like it's long and dragged out. But in order to make it, I had to pour through a lot of interviews. So on this episode, I, I was somewhat in a Grateful Dead, you know, state of mind. I first started out with the best of the Grateful Dead. It's a double CD set. Then I moved on to the 1970 release, American Beauty. <laughs> great album. And then I moved on to Working Man's Dead, another great album. 
And after that, I moved on to the very best of the Grateful Dead. And I still wasn't done yet because I had a long way to go yet. I moved on to Dr. Hook. I created my own little best of and my own little playlist. I combined their greatest hits, best of, and whatever, all, all the stuff that they had into my own little playlist. Just some great songs. Then I moved on to The Guess Who, one of their greatest hits albums. Then on to Journey. Of course, you got to have Journey. And then I finally finished the episode on The Little River Band, their greatest hits. They have some great songs. So if you've never listened to Little, to the Little River Band, give them a shot. Great tunes. But I want to circle back to The Grateful Dead real quick here. There's one song that will always stick in my head. It's called Ripple. And I just have this great memory tied into it. So spare me for just a second here. I remember I was at a restaurant bar and I'm just sitting there. It's nearing closing time. And that song comes on. And if you just listen to the lyrics, it's just a great, <laughs> great tune. But at the very end or near the very end, there's a there's a line because it's closing time. It was really apropos. The line is, if I knew the way, I'd take you home. And then right after that, they had this great, like, I don't, uh, just like la-ti-da type thing going on. But <laughs> that's a horrible way to describe it. But at that moment, everybody in the bar did that part of the song. And it was, it wasn't over the top or anything else. It was just a subtle, you know, and again, la-ti-da isn't the right way to put it. But everybody just did this subtle, understated thing right at the end of the song. So listen to the song Ripple. And after that that line, if I knew the way, I'd take you home. And everybody in there started singing that part of the song. And it just, boom, it just stuck in my head. I, I just had to throw, you know, throw it out there. It's just a great memory. Well, that is it. My glass awaits. I'm thirsty. So cheers to you and to the movies. So until next time, be well, be good. And I'm gone. I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Judge. <laughs> <laughs>